Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. So our title for tonight is Keep Alert. Keep alert. You know, and I don't know if you guys maybe felt it or sensed it, you know, especially in this week, building up to December vacations, a lot of things that are happening. There's kind of a tendency to, to be a bit passive, to draw back a bit, to switch off a bit. Mind wonders, you know, there's, and, I, and I get it, especially this year. You know, there's something weird that's happening. And many times, you know, many times at intercession, September, October, that time of the year, people get the sense you know, of a lot of words coming through. Now the Lord wants us to rest, you know, feel a bit tired and we need to plug in. And I want to say it out of a place of love, but if we do that, and even in this strange year, we, we did the year a bit wrong. You know, yes, there should maybe be a physical tiredness, you know, and we need to take maybe a little bit of break for something, but spiritually, emotionally, you know, and when it comes to be plugged into the Lord, there should be an overflow. Jesus says, come to me, all who are laden and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and I will give you rest. You know, working with Jesus should give us rest. And this time of the year, especially from the church's side, you know, we should be intentional to keep alert, to stay awake, and to plug in, and to do the things that God has called us to do, because He's still working. He's still building His kingdom. He still has plans. He still wants to use us. In this time, wherever we go, God knows who you're going to walk a road with this vacation, who, who you're going to cross paths with, who you're going to eat with, who's the people that is placed around you. And He wants to do a work in their lives. And for us, we need to stay awake. We need to be alert. Now, Jesus explains a passage of Scripture in Luke 21. And he's speaking to his disciples, you know, and especially in this strange year that we've went through with a lot of, you know, conspiracy theories and things going around there. We're not quite sure, you know, what's happening where. What's going on, you know, what is the truth? Now the vaccine, let me see who, who wants to get that bad boy. Here we have some takers. And there's a lot of things that's going on, you know, now it's the end time, you know, the rapture is coming soon and this is the mark of the beast. And there's a lot of things, but what's true? What's happening? What's What's going on? Like Kath also said, you know, if we go to God and we ask Him, we pray for wisdom, He will give us wisdom if we ask in faith. Otherwise, we're unstable. Going to and fro, you know, and where are we? Are we spiritually alert? Are we spiritually passive or asleep? Because in that passage that Jesus explains in Luke 21, and He's giving the disciples a lot of things, and He's speaking about the end times seeing a lot of things is going to happen. And he says, look at this fig tree, you know, when it starts to bear fruit, you know the season is near. Just so also, be aware, be awake, be alert. That is the terminology scripture uses for us to endure. And then in Mark 13, Jesus explains the same passage of scripture, but he gives them a parable or a story with that. He says, it's going to be like a man that goes away and he leaves his house in charge of his servants in charge of his house. And he says to the doorkeeper, stay awake. Stay awake. Blessed is the one that will be found awake when the master of the house comes back. 
Because it will come back like a thief in the night. Stay awake. It's a command that God actually gives us. You know, Peter writes to the church in 1 Peter 5 verse 8 and he says, I want you to be sober-minded, to be aware, to be awake. For your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour. So there's an awakeness that we should be aware of what God is doing. He's left us in charge of his house, the people, the body of Christ, his church. This is what that parable speaks about. Jesus leaving his house in the care of his servants, giving each one a job to do. And he's telling us, stay awake. And with that, we also know that the enemy wants to come and steal, kill and destroy. And wants to actively come against that. And for that, we also need to be awake. And as we've watched throughout the ages and even in the church today, there's some people that are a bit more awake than others. That are a bit more aware of what's happening than others. You know, a hundred years before Martin Luther, there was a guy named John Huss. And he also tried to start a, revo uh, um, a reformation, writing a lot of things, you know, standing up against what's happening. And a lot of people being spiritually passive and asleep were led astray by a lot of people. And this man stands up for what is right. And this is a hundred years before Martin Luther came, you know, in the year 1415, they burned him alive. Terrible story. Maybe some of you are wondering why am I sharing this with you. But he goes through that, you know, and he writes a prophecy on his, on his uh, prison wall. And he says, a hundred years from now, there will come someone and you will not be able to silence him. A hundred years later, here comes Martin Luther. And because he knew what's going to happen and what God is busy doing, as they burned him, the people standing around him heard him pray, Lord Jesus, for you I endure this awful death, but forgive my enemies. Forgive my enemies, knowing what's going on, enduring what's happening to him because he knows what God is busy doing. And he knows that his work is not in vain because he is the guy that's one of the great influencers of Martin Luther. Knowing that God is going to do what he's going to do. And the same happens to us today. You know, there's some people that's aware and awake, knowing what God is coming to do. I don't know who of you remember at intercession as we were praying in the year 2019. That God again and again shared to us that this year, 2020, will be a year of refining. He's going to come and refine the faith of his people. We didn't know how it was going to look. Didn't know the year was going to turn out as it turned out. But refining took place. And God said if we cling to him and we endure in that process, what will come out on the other side is a faith that is pure. And when we look at the church globally, what has happened? A lot of people went through that refining process, fall away. But those who come out the other side, a faith that's a little bit more pure, a little bit more sincere, a little bit more devoted to Jesus, knowing that he's the one that carries us through. Some people were aware, some were not. And we see this happening today. And I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but I actually love when some people go through trials and tribulations. Scripture says, count it all joy when trials and tribulations come your way. And we know that God wants to come and establish and build something. But I don't know why we wait till the end to ask him, Lord, what is it that you want to come and do? When stuff happens, you know, just go to God. Lord, what do you want to come and do? Patience. Okay, I'm yoking with you, Lord. Then maybe it goes a little bit quicker. Maybe it's a little bit easier if we know what God wants to do and build into our lives as we go through it. 
that because some people are so unaware of what's busy happening about the battles that's waging on around us, that when the enemy comes, you know, he knocks them so hard that they completely are led astray and away from God and his people. And we've seen it many times. How can this happen? What is going on? Unaware, spiritually passive and asleep, and then they fall away. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, but how do we stay alert? How do we stay awake? How do we ensure that we do not grow spiritually passive, but we do what God has called us to do? We're going to read a passage of scripture in Ephesians 6, from verse 10 to 20. And as we read through this, and as we consider how to stay alert and to keep awake, I want us to follow the pattern of the following words. It's the words that, for, therefore, and and. That, for, therefore, and and. and whenever we see that words in scripture, it links statements together. It explains why something is happening or why we need to do something. And if we follow that pattern and circle those words, it'll be easier to dissect scripture and see what's actually going on. So let's read through this passage and see how we can keep alert. It says in Ephesians 6 from verse 10 to 20, it starts there finally. And what that means is, you know, Paul's saying to, to the church, in consideration of everything we spoke about, the work of Jesus on the cross that he's knitted us together to be a body, that each one of us have gifts to encourage one another, to build up one another, to maintain to the unity that Jesus has set out before us. Finally, bearing all of that in mind, let's do the following together. And it says, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that, there's that word, that. Why do we need to put it on? that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Meaning that if we do not have it on, we won't be able to withstand. Then it says, for, why do we need to put it on? Why do we need to stand against the schemes of the devil? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces, of evil in the heavenly place and to just quickly stop there and to ask a quick question it says there that the war is raging whether we are aware of it or not whether we're ready or not whether we want to be a part of it or not you know some people have this mentality if i leave spiritual things alone they'll leave me alone not true i don't know if you've seen the picture that scripture paints of the enemy he's not all, all vain he's not ready guys let's leave him alone he said he'll leave us alone it's not how it works. Well, yes, no, Leon, he doesn't have his armor on yet, so let's leave him alone as well. You know, let's just fight fair. It's not how it works. Just because we are unaware or not involved does not mean the battle is not raging. And what I want to ask us is, when lost, how often and how intentionally are you engaging in the battle that is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces? How often, when last, how intentional. I'm not asking that to shame us or anything and I want us to be alert, to be aware. The Afrikaans say waaksam, must met waaksam wees, but to be aware, to be alert, we must also know where we are at at the moment so that we can make the changes that we need to make. How often, how intentional. Then it goes on, verse 13. Therefore, because of this battle that is raging, take up. The whole armor of God, that, again that word, why? That we might be able to withstand in the evil day. 
And having done all to stand firm, if we don't have it, we won't remain standing. We won't be alert, we won't be awake. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end. Why do we do it? Keeping alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me, in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And one thing I want us just to consider before we go on is what is Paul's end goal or the aim of this spiritual warfare? Fighting this battle in prayer, being clothed with the armor of God, what is the result of it? What should be the outflow when he says, I want you guys to apply this to my life so that the message of the gospel can spread forward? So that words might be given me that I can proclaim the message of the gospel. The mission of God is the end goal. The mission of God is the focus. That is what Paul is focusing on. But then the question, so how do we keep alert? Verse 11 to 13. Here we see that words, that, for, and therefore. And it says we need the whole armor of God that we might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle. The battle is raging. The war is going on, whether we want to be aware of it or not. And because it's going on, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you might be able to withstand in the evil day. And one thing that we see here once again, whether we are ready, whether we are not, whether we are aware, the battle is raging. There is something that is true. And a question that I want to ask us is, in what battle do you engage most? The battle against flesh in blood or the spiritual battle waging on around us? Because one of the greatest tactics of the enemy is to get us to focus on the battle against flesh in blood so that we are unaware or less intentional in fighting the battle we actually have to fight. In engaging in the war that we actually need to engage on. And we do that by clothing ourselves with God's armor. And something that we see from scripture is that we need to put it on and we need to take it up. No one can clothe you with the armor of God. No one can put it on for you. You need to do it. And we can't just simply pray it on, you know, how does it work? How does it work to put on the armor of God? Let's take the breastplate of righteousness, for example. If I stand here and I pray, Lord, I'm putting on the breastplate of righteousness. That does not mean I have it on. In this week, we were sitting a couple of ministers in town and we were speaking about deliverance and speaking about our own righteousness and authority so that we can do what God has called us to do. And one of the guys, Dominic Piet, he shares a story and he says, you know, we, we went out and we were going to do some deliverance and one specific guy was praying for someone for deliverance and when the demon manifested, he asked the guy, where were you last night? And the one guy said he needed to joke, praat nou van my nie, praat nou oor jou. But nonetheless, that was the question, where were you last night? Turned out the guy had an adulterous relationship 
with someone that was not his wife because he wasn't clothed in the righteousness of God, standing in his authority, was not able to do what God has called him to do. They had to ask him, won't you go home? We'll, we'll take care of this. And if you think that that is strange, it's not the charismatic movement that made up, you know, demons talking to people. Read in Mark chapter 5 verse 9, Jesus asking the demon, what is your name? And he says, our name is Legion for we are many. A lot of places in scripture where the demons fall down at Jesus' feet and they ask him, they speak to him. We know that you are the son of man, that you come here to torment us before our time. And if you think that maybe it was specific to Jesus, we also read it in Acts. Specifically chapter 19, there's seven sons of a high priest named Sceva. And they want to go and do exorcism the way Paul does it. And he says, we're going to use this name Jesus that Paul proclaims. And when they get to the guy and say, we cast you out in the name of Jesus that Paul proclaims, the demon speaks to them. And he says, Jesus we know. Paul we are aware of, but who are you? And the guy leaps on them, beats them, and they run away naked. But they speak, not something that we make up, we see it in Scripture. It's something that we thought out. But then again, to get back to the breastplate of righteousness, so how do we put it on? We read in 1 John 1, verse 8 and 9. It says that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But verse 9, but if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus, as we confess, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We read in Proverbs 28 verse 13, it says, He who covers up his iniquities will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. So how do I put on the breastplate of righteousness? By confessing and forsaking the sin, of, sin in my life so that I can stand in the grace of Jesus so that he can cleanse me from all unrighteousness so that I can be clothed with the armor of God. If I pray, Lord, clothe me with the breastplate of righteousness, but I'm covering up my iniquities, not confessing and forsaking them, I can pray that prayer all day long. I will not be able to do what God has called me to do. And they will also ask me, my vow was jy gestrand. We won't be able to do what God has called us to do. We need to clothe ourselves with it, but we're going to look too much at the armor today, but specifically ask the question, but where then is the armor used? Maybe next year in our small groups, we'll go through all of the pieces of God's armor together and ask the question, but how do we clothe ourselves with it? How does it work? But for now, where do we use the armor of God? Why do we clothe ourselves with it? Where does the battle happen? How do I engage? This morning when my oog sat there, exactly where he sat now, and I'm using him as an example, you know, he comes many times at intercession before the service starts, and he says the following words, Persoon delport aanweesag en gereed vir aksie. Hoog delport, present and ready for action. Let the battle begin, and that is where the battle is fought. In prayer, we read in verse 18 the following, Praying at all times, the Afrikaans says, terwijl ons bid. We are putting on the weapon and the armors of God while we pray. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert. To that end, keep alert. And for who do we pray? With all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. We're entering the battlefield in prayer. That is where the battle happens. That is where the fight takes place. 
And we start to be aware the moment we intercede for all of the saints. Something that we have to realize is that Christianity is not a me or a you thing. It's an us thing. It's the body of Christ, the people of God. You know, many times in the culture that we're living, you know, we many times get the, um, people say, you know, stuff like the season that I am going through. And I'm not saying that you can't go through a specific season, but I'm saying that God takes his people through seasons in general. If something were experienced, the church experienced persecution, if we read the New Testament, the whole church. If there was poverty, if there was attack, the whole church experienced it. It's an us thing. We go through things together. Most clearly seen through Israel, the people of God in the Old Testament. When drought came, when war came, when prosperity came, it's something that they went through together. And the more I pray for us, the more I know what's coming our way. It's there where we stay awake. It's like Mark 13 says, Jesus went away and he left his house that we should take care of. That takes us to point number one tonight. Keep alert by praying at all times for all the saints. And as I start to pray for the body, I know what's coming our way. I can know what God is going to do and what the enemy wants to come and do. And we can actively stand as the body of Christ against the schemes of the devil. And we can partner and be with God as he does what he's going to do. You know, and a question that's many times asked is, is our keeping alert in prayer enabling God to do what he wants to do? Is what God wants to come and do dependent upon our prayers? And the answer is no. But whether we will experience it and be part of it, that is dependent upon that. God is going to come and do what he wants to do. He's busy moving and he's busy working, but my keeping alert and me praying for the saints will determine whether I have part in what God is coming to do and whether we're going to experience that, what God is doing. You know, one day um, I was having this dream about going into a war field, you know, with us as a church. It was a, kind of weird. It was like in a building, there's this little war zone going on and there's a guy standing at the door and he's giving weapons to everyone. And I'm quite excited, you know, this is going to be nice. And I get to the door and everybody gets weapons. I get a radio. Walkie-talkie. They say, go, go. It's like, this isn't nice at all. And I go through the doors and I remember I feel, felt a bit afraid, but there's a hole in the ground to my left-hand side and I open up the thing and I go into the, to the hole. And as I climb in there, there's this big glass window in front of me. And I'm looking out on the war zone and as our people are moving forward, I can see the enemy's forces coming from the other side and I can radio our people and say, hey, go that side, go this side. This is where they're coming. This is what they're planning. And God says, that is how I want your prayer room to look like. That is how I want your prayer room to look like. To focus on prayer, supplication and intercession for the saints. To know that we are to keep alert because the devil's walking around looking for someone to devour. And as I was busy preparing for the sermon and praying through it, a lady came from Toy Technology that fixed one of our Wi-Fi routers. And she dropped it off at my gate and she saw one of my dogs and says, whose little black dog is this? I says, no, it's our dog. And she says, be alert, where does this dog come out of the, of the yard? Because he runs away a lot, but he comes back again. And she says, where does he come out? And I say, no, he doesn't go out anywhere. He goes out of the gate when we open the gate. 
And then she got a little bit mad. And she said, ask with me. She says, you must be alert. You must be alert. And I, definitely, I start blaming the neighbors. No, it's the guys in the flat. When they come around the corner, they open the gate and the dog runs out. And because she cares so much for, for animals, she says, no, I don't care if you need to go and threaten them or what you need to do, but tell them they must keep alert. Because if this dog comes out, it's going to be run over. And as she was sharing that with me, I felt God saying, because I love my people so much, won't you be alert? Otherwise, someone's going to get run over. Otherwise, someone's going to get hurt because you're not aware what's going on. And then immediately I thought of my family. You know, if you're sitting here as a father, God is saying, won't you keep alert? Otherwise, someone might get run over. And there's something that we can do against it. It's not as if God did not say keep alert. It's not as if script, Scripture does not say the devil wants to destroy. We know that. The question is, are we intentional in keeping alert or not? And then we also get people, you know, that say, okay, I, I get this, I should pray. But I've prayed a lot, you know, and I've, I've really interceded, but it doesn't feel as if it's working. There's no results. There's nothing coming through my prayer life. And the question that we should then ask is, can we pray wrongly? Can we pray wrongly? And the answer is yes. We read in James chapter 4 verse 3, it says the following. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. To spend it on your passions. So now we get a glimpse of what prayer is not. Prayer is not there to fulfill my passions. Prayer is not there to give me all I need. Now what I'm not saying is, I'm not saying don't make your request known to God. Scripture says that. Make your request known to Him. Cast your, care, your cares on Him because He cares for you. He cares for you. Make your petitions known to God. In everything pray to God. And the peace of Christ will surpass, that surpass all understanding will guard our hearts and minds. Yes, do that. But it's not the main focus of prayer. We also read in Scripture, Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things will be added unto us as well. When Jesus teaches the disciples to pray, the first thing is, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Then give us our daily bread. Let the main thing remain the main thing. And then we read in 1 John 5 verse 14, and it says the following, And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So now we get a glimpse of what prayer is and when it works. When we ask according to the will of God. And the next verse is not on the board, but it says, and we have this confidence that if he hears us, we have already received what we've prayed for. Because it's in the will of God. So now the question is, okay, but how do I pray in the will of God? Where is the will of God revealed? We read in verse 17. Of Ephesians 6 and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God praying at all times in the spirit like the Afrikaans says Terwijl, while we pray take up the sword of the spirit which is the word of God you know many times when we view the armor of God we cut it off there at verse 17 take up the word of God and we don't look at praying at all times in the spirit and praying in the spirit at all times does not mean praying in tongues at all times. The charismatic movement many times you know, gives this teaching that every time we pray, in the tongue, we pray in tongues, that's praying in the spirit. Every time we pray in spirit, that's praying in tongues. It's not what it means. 
Paul is definitely not saying here that whenever we pray, we should pray in tongues. And he writes to the church in Corinthians and he says, I will sing in my spirit and I will sing with my mind. I'll pray with my spirit and I'll pray with my mind. But when it comes to gathering with God's people, I would rather speak four words that everybody knows than a thousand words that no one understands. He's not saying that we should just pray in tongues. What he's saying is that we should pray in the will and the word of God with the leading of the spirit. If he says pray in the spirit, what is the spirit's weapon? It's the word of God. That's the sword of the spirit. That is how we pray in the spirit, by taking up the word. Whenever I take scripture and I begin to pray scripture, I can be certain that I'm praying the will of God. I can be certain that I'm praying the spirit. To see what God has called us to do manifest here and now. The weapon of the spirit is the word of God. That takes us to point number two tonight. Keep alert, praying through the leading of the Spirit in the Word and will of God. You see, the Word of God, it reveals to us the general will of God. When we read in Scripture, we see what God wants to do, how He wants to do it, how He acts and interacts with His people, and it reveals to us the general will of God. The Spirit comes and reveals the situational or the specific will of God. For example, we read in scripture 1 Timothy 2 verse 1, Paul writing and he says, I urge you that prayer, supplication, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people. For kings and queens who are in high positions, that you might live peaceful and godly lives, godly and dignified in every way. And then it says in verse 4, why? Because God desires for everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So now, now, okay, God wants me to pray for people in general, why? Because he wants them to be saved. He wants them to come to the knowledge of the truth. And as I see that in scripture, and as I start praying for God's people, I'm asking by the leading of the Spirit, Lord, but who specifically do you want me to pray for now? And the Spirit might reveal someone in your family or someone at work, and then we begin to intercede specifically for those people as the Spirit leads specifically. And I know if God says, pray for Aubrey, then he might come to know me and that he might come to know the knowledge of the truth that I can pray with him that I can pray for him with boldness because it's already revealed in God's word. For he desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Here we read in John 16 verse 13, Jesus promising the Holy Spirit to his disciples. And he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. What's truth? Jesus prays, John 17 verse 17, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. He will lead us into all truth. He will lead us into the word of God. It actually says in 1 Corinthians 2 from verse 10 onwards that we cannot understand the things given us by God if we don't have the Spirit of God. The natural man does not accept Him. It's foolishness unto Him because they are spiritually discerned. We need the Spirit of God. And then it also says, when He comes, He will not speak on His own authority, but what He hears, He will reveal to you and declare to you the things to come. He will be the one that shows you the things to come so that you can be alert, be awake. Know what's coming. And then Paul writes 1 Timothy 4 verse 1. The Spirit expressly says in the last days. People will fall away from the faith. Devoting themselves to the teachings of demons. Because they're unaware of the battle that's coming. But the Spirit leading to tell us what's about to happen. It says in the last days children will be disobedient to their parents. Lovers, in, lovers of self instead of lovers of God. We're seeing it happening around us. 
Because the Spirit can lead us to be alert and to keep alert about the things that's going to take place, that's going to happen. If we're intentional and we're praying in this word and the will of God by leading of the Spirit for all of the saints of God, we can keep alert. And I want to lead, leave us again with a single phrase. And if you want to remember something from tonight, take this. Take it and apply it to your prayer life. And we will see the will of God starting to manifest around us. We'll start to see people being more aware and more alert. It goes like the following. Keep alert. The aim of prayer is not the comfort of man, but the mission of God. We've been told today that the aim of prayer is our comfort. It's not. It's the mission of God. The aim of prayer is not to make me more comfortable, but to make us more missional. That is the aim of prayer. If you consider where Paul is at the moment, he's in chains, he's in prison, being locked up, and he says to the church, if you pray for me, pray for the following. And they said, what must we pray? That you be released, that you be sent home, that you be more comfortable, that you eat better. What can we pray for you? Pray that words might be given to me, that I might proclaim the message of the gospel. That is what I want you to pray for me. It's not about my comfort. It's about the mission of God, to see the kingdom come and his will be done. That is why we need the readiness of the gospel as shoes on our feet as we pray. Because if we pray like we should, for what we should, we will get sent out. And then we can't stand there, Lord, I'm reporting for duty, Lord, I'm praying, Lord. Your will be done, your kingdom come. And he says, okay, go out and proclaim the message of the gospel. It's like, where's your shoes? No, Lord, can't I get an office job? Don't want to go out, I want to sit here. I'll, I'll tell them on the radio. It's like, no, you need to be fully prepared for what I've called you to do. But when we pray like we should, for what we should, God will send us out. Let's stand and pray together tonight. Yes, Lord, Father, thank you that we can come before you, Lord. As we are gathered here for, the, for us specifically, Lord, that are here now, Lord. As we sense, Lord, a bit of passivity creeping in, Lord. The tendency, Lord, to switch off, to disconnect, Lord. We want to say, Father, as a church, we stand against that, Lord. And we bind the spirit of passivity. Knowing it's not a physical thing I wrestle against, Lord, but a spiritual thing. I bind the spirit of passivity in Jesus' name. And I say by the leading of the Spirit of God, I will keep alert. I will stay awake. And when Jesus comes back, He will find me at my post. And I will long for that day to see Him face to face. We're not of those who shrink back, but those who have faith and persevere. And as you may be standing here tonight and you are thinking about this, and you are wondering to yourself, you know, when last did I report for duty? When last did I go to God and say, Lord, I'm clothed with your weaponry, Lord. I'm clothed in your arm and I'm reporting for duty to fight the battle that you've called me to fight, Lord. Maybe you experience a bit of condemnation. I want to say that that is not of God. If you are hearing a voice right now that if you prayed more, then this would not have happened. Or if you prayed more, then that person might have stayed. That's not of God. A voice that you might hear that is of God is a voice that says, report again for duty and I will give you grace and fill you with my spirit to do what I've called you to do. If you repent and say, Lord, sorry for my passivity, 
He says, I will enlist you once again in my army. Some of us are thinking, we're not sure how long it's been since we've been on our post. Maybe a couple of days, a couple of weeks, months, years, 10, 20, 50, 60 years. How long has it been? And God is saying that that is in the past. Now, what we need to do now is say, Lord, here we are, ready to fight the battle you've called us to fight. To take up the position you've called me to take up. To keep alert, to pray for the saints at all times. By leading of the Spirit and the Word and the will of God. And if that is you tonight, just there where you're standing, won't you lift up your voice to God? Say, Lord, once again, I'm here reporting for duty. Present and ready for action. And also count the cost. It's not something that we should take lightly. And someone can come and pray for you and you can come forward and put your hand in the air. You can stand, you can sit. But if tomorrow you do not wake up, get on your knees and take up your position in the spirit, then nothing will happen. Just there where you're standing, won't you lift your voice to God? So Lord, here I am reporting for duty. Yes, Lord, Father, as voices are being left up, Lord, we just want to come, Lord, and lay ourselves down at, at your feet, Lord, saying that we want to take up the word of God, the sword of the Spirit, praying at all times in the Spirit, Lord. It's not the charismatic movement that says praying the Spirit's the word of God. It's not the church that says Stay awake. It's a command given by Jesus. Stay awake. And we want to say, Lord, we want to partner with you, Father. We know, Lord, that you are doing great things, Lord. That revival is coming and it's already here. Where people, Lord, are giving over to you, Father. And we want to say, Lord, we want to be a part of what you're doing. We don't want to be passive, Lord. We don't want to switch off. And we repent, Lord, of not being on our post, Father. Of not always keeping alert but you are saying lord as long as we have breath it's not too late and as a church lord we are standing before you father and say we are here present ready for duty and thank you father that we can also know lord that we do not need to be afraid lord like you told your disciples but i'm giving you all authority over the power of the enemy and they shall by no means hurt you and if you are standing here tonight and you're feeling intimidated not knowing what is expected. Jesus says, if you submit unto me, I will give you authority over all those things and nothing shall hurt you. I will give you the strength and I will lead you to do what I have called you to do. Thank you, Lord, for faith, Lord. Thank you, Father, that I can pray in you, Lord, just to fill us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit, Lord, and to lead and to guide us into your word and will that we should pray as we ought, Lord. Thank you, Father, that I pray, Lord, just anew, Father, for us to be aware and alert, Father, for you to show us, Lord, the things to come, Father, what's going to happen, Lord, what should we be ready for? And thank you, Lord, that we can stand boldly upon what we ask for, not knowing that you will always be much more willing to lead us than we will be willing to be led, Lord. Oh, how you want to lead us. Oh, how you want to guide us. Bless us and see good things flow from our lives. Thank you that you are a good father in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we run out and grab some coffee, won't you just take your seat again and turn to the person next to you and just ask them what's the one thing 
that God is saying to you tonight.